What's going on, everybody? Matt Bruning here, one of the co-founders of CampusDecanton.com. If you guys have been following around on Twitter or the YouTube channel, you have seen every single night around 7 o'clock p.m. Central Time, I've been going live with some spring practice reports. Uh, you can obviously catch those lives every single night. If you have any questions, feel free to jump into the comments and ask me. Um, in thinking about it, and I know some of you guys don't subscribe to the YouTube channel, please do send uh, the Campus to Canton Twitter handle a picture of that, and you have a chance to get enter, enter to win a Kayshawn Boutte jersey. On top of that, I will drop a weekly show at the end of the week combining everything that I talked about on all the spring practice reports. So here are Tuesday through Friday's spring practice reports for the first week, March 7th through the 11th. What's going on, everyone? Matt here, one of the co-founders of CampusToCant.com, and I am here to take you guys on a quick ride around the country Every weeknight as we discuss the latest in spring camp news. All right, so we are going to kick off here with Clemson. They actually started their practices uh, about a week ago. And as you guys can see here on the bottom here, over the past two years, I think a lot of us have struggled with, you know, keeping weight on and off, whether it was COVID or just drowning his sorrows and bad play calling. DJ was playing at about 260 pounds last season. However, he has hit the gym and reports are that DJ has lost about 25 pounds since December, which is, is, is fairly lofty. He's getting in beach bod already for spring practices, something I wish I could do. Um, you know, Canton coming. I'm going to do my best to pull my, my best DJU here. But anyways, he has lost 25 pounds since December, and he has said that he his goal is 235 pounds by the start of the season. Many people believe that this should help his mobility and pocket manipulation. It seemed to really be lacking this past season. So hopefully losing the weight will, will kind of help him a little bit more and, and not just being able to avoid rushers in the pocket, maybe show a little bit of mobility and, and maybe not just look completely screwed out there like he did last season. Of course, in talking about how bad DJ was for Clemson, that kind of leads us right into talking about the freshman quarterback, Cade Klubnik, five-star kid coming from Texas he is apparently already impressing at that spring camp. Word is he is already being considered one of the leaders on the team, including getting in some extra practice reps with fellow freshman Adam Randall and sophomore wide receiver Dakari Collins. He has really gotten those guys. There's a lot of talk about during practices, him going, doing some extra training sessions. And those guys kind of gravitating to him. A lot of the teammates are gravitating toward Cade Klubnik, so a lot of talk that he's already becoming a leader on the team, including a pass at one point that he threw about a 55-yard in perfect stride to Adam Randall down the field uh, that had quite a few of the media members and everybody excited. Uh, obviously, the, the bad thing for Klubnik is apparently he has come in a little bit underweight. Reports are that he came in at 185. He'll need a boost there. I think he's probably going to have to put on some weight. But if DJ struggles, there's a lot of talk that Cade could come in and take that spot for him. We do know that 
Um, my goodness, head coach just jumped right out of my 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 head. Uh, Dabo, though the weasel himself, Dabo Sweeney, is not afraid to pull quarterback. So I do think if DJ struggles, we could see Cade Klubnik earlier or, or earlier than we expect at some point in time this season. Next up, we're going to go to a place I don't think many of you expect me to take you, and that is to Beaver Country. We are going to go talk about the Oregon State Beavers here. There's a little bit of a quarterback battle uh, brewing here in, in the midst of their spring camp. Now, you may say to me, does it really matter who wins the Beavers starting quarterback job? And at which point I may say, that's a good point. You pro- you're probably right. But Chance Nolan did have a couple of fantasy viable weeks last year, mostly due to his rushing upside. And I do think that Oregon State has improved under head coach Jonathan Smith, that they've looked good the past two seasons. Right now, it looks like Nolan is still the front runner, but Tristan Jebia and Ben Goldbranson are healthy and fighting for the job. Another name I want to bring up that is apparently impressing here at Beaver Camp is freshman Damon Martinez. Uh, he is a running back. He worked through his first collegiate practice earlier uh, yesterday morning. And, and from everything that they're saying, he's looked really good. He he's very physically fit. He looks good for the position. Uh, he checks in at six foot two twenty eight uh, for practice, and they have said that he is running with a lot of upper body strength and a very solid base. And he's already taking second team reps behind Trey Lowe, who is currently running with the first team. Now you may ask why that matters. But if you go back and look at the past couple of years, the Oregon State running backs have been very good for CFF purposes, whether it was Jamar Jefferson or B.J. Baylor last season. Maybe Trey Lowe does that for them, but the word and all the love that Damon Martinez is already getting just a couple days into Oregon State camp here, I would not be afraid to take this kid. He's not being drafted in our ADP currently. Grab him as a late-round pick, one of your last pickups, and if he's a guy who possibly plays for two or three years at Oregon State – might be a really good running back to bet on because again, those guys they they've been putting out very fantasy viable, at least for the CFF side. You know, Jamar Jefferson was a six round pick. We'll see what happens with BJ Baylor. I don't know if he ends up getting drafted. I like parts of his game, probably at best like a a backup running back at the NFL level. Damon Martinez is already impressing at camp, a guy that I'd be willing to take a shot on for CFF purposes because, again, you can take him as your 45th pick if you'd like. Uh, and if he has a chance to bust out like some of those other guys did, he might be a, a real sleeper that I promise you nobody is talking about. He's already impressing people here at Oregon State camp. Next up, uh, the, a team that had a lot of buzz this offseason was some of the transfers that they brought in at quarterback, wide receiver, and then a five-star kid they brought in in recruitment. That is the Arizona Wildcats. And there is a quarterback battle possibly brewing in Arizona. We know that they brought in Jaden Delora, who we all, I feel like, kind of just expected to be given the job. Yet Noah Fafita is impressing at camp already. The two newcomers have both had their moments, apparently, at times. Uh, A lot of the talk is Jaden Delora has looked a little bit hesitant in the seven-on-seven drills, Um, and and maybe that is because he, he did just come over. He's learning a new system. They have talked about how he has had some pretty good deep passes here, though. But... Noah Fafita has been impressing. Now, he has apparently misfired on a couple of throws, but has flourished in connecting with Jacob Cowing. And I'm going to call him Tet because I'm going to completely butcher his name, but Tetora McMillan, I believe is how you say his name, the five-star freshman. Noah has been the one who's connected with those two guys the most. Now, he is 
working with the second team, which Jacob Cowling and Tetora McMillan are currently right now. Dorian Singer, Anthony Simpson, and Majin Wright are the ones that are working with the first team. As I mentioned, McMillan and Cowan working with the second team. But I expect Jaden Delora to win this job. I don't think that it's going to be a thing where Noah Fafita wins it. But it is, I think, important to watch that Noah Fafita is impressing right now, and he is looking good in camp because we've seen Jaden Delora have some off-field issues and, and get pulled I expect him to keep the job and continue going here for Arizona, but Noah Fafita, a name to watch as well. And obviously, it's just great news that new Noah um, has, has really kind of helped Jacob Cowing and Tatora McMillan stand out. I mean, these two, there's all the buzz right now in the Arizona spring camp about what Tet has done, a really big play. Uh, he had a, I believe it was a 50-plus yard touchdown pass in this one already. He's been making incredible catches all over the field, including four to five. It said series of acrobatic sideline catches. I'll be honest. Ted is a guy that we were split on when we, we were working on our freshman guide. I'm very high on him, but a couple of the other guys aren't. Uh, I'm very curious to see what he looks like here. Jacob Cowling. We're big fans of him. As you can see on here, he's in the UTEP uniform transferred from UTEP has a chance to, I think really break out in this offense. So, Arizona, it's a team that I know Austin Nace, one of the other co-founders of the website. You can find him at Debbie Dietz. Myself have been talking about being a sneaky team in the Pac-12. This offense could be really good with Jaden Delora. And then if Jacob Cowing and Ted are able to work into the first team, which I expect they will, no offense to, you know, Majin Wright, Dorian Singer, and Anthony Simpson. I don't think any of those guys have the the talent that Jacob Cowling and McMillan have. And so the fact that those two are already impressing with the second team and Tet already as a true freshman is showing off in camp. I think good things ahead for those guys. Uh, another name that I just want to uh, kind of uh, let you guys know about really quick, a name to watch, running back Jonah Coleman. Uh, despite the picture that I have right here next to me, uh, reports are that he is like a, that they're talking about him like a Mayan Williams at Ohio state and it being just kind of like a bowling ball. Now he did come in at five, eight, two sixteen, uh, but they said that his lower body is just absolutely massive and he's been getting the edge surprisingly in 11 on 11 drills. Now they're not doing a lot of tackling right now. So we'll see if he can, is able to continue doing that, but he is a freshman. So again, just a freshman you need to watch out for. Take him at the end of your draft, 44th round, 45th round. You know, if Damon Martinez goes, take a Jonah Coleman. Uh, there's a lot of talk about how good this kid is looking. Again, they're not doing any tackling yet, so maybe that changes. But the fact that, again, Jonah Coleman's been brought up a couple times here in some of the report camp stuff that I read, uh, a name to watch at the running back position here for the Arizona Wildcats. Next up, we're going to close to my home here, Dallas, Texas. We're going to talk about the SMU Mustangs. New head coach, Rhett Lashley. Can he produce two receivers for CFF purposes? We know that they were able to do that with Danny Gray and, for the most part, Reggie Roberson. And a ton has changed there. I mean, you know, as I mentioned, new, new head coach, Rhett Lashley, has come in. He's starting his tenure here at SMU. And the wide receiver is wide receiver position is in a little bit of flux. Rasheed Rice looks primed though to be the top option. We saw some stuff on Twitter about this the other day. Had an amazing uh, catch over a defender. Definitely looks primed to be the top option. 
has already apparently had a bunch of highlight catches during practice. However, the other name that a lot of people are talking about that are there at camp is North Carolina transfer Bo Corrales, who has apparently hit the ground running in his first couple practices here and is making a bunch of really good catches as well and already looks like he's acclimating to the team. So Bo Corrales, another name to watch out for. We know Rhett Rhett Lashley likes to throw the ball around. You got Tanner Mordecai, or do you? We'll get to that in just a second. Regardless, this is going to be a passing offense. They're already talking about how Ulysses Bentley is being more used in the receiving game like he already wasn't. I expect this team is going to pass the ball a ton. You're going to likely have two wide receivers who are going to be fantasy relevant. It looks like Bo Corrales is the one who's taken that step, at least early on in camp, into that wide receiver two role. I mentioned you got Tanner Mordecai, or do you? Two gunslingers are squaring off here in Dallas, and there is a lot of love for Preston Stone right now in all of the practice reports. Preston Stone was a guy that a lot of people bet on earlier last season. They did not think Tanner Mordecai. I believe this was one of the famous battles between uh, good friends Austin, Nace, and Colin Decker. I believe Colin was on the Tanner Mordecai train, Austin on the Preston Stone train. Well, Preston Stone is getting some serious buzz again this year. I mean, Tanner Mordecai, he set the school passing record last year, right, with 39 touchdowns. He looked good at times last year, and apparently he's looked fairly good in spring as well. He, he's found early success in finding Rashi Rice and has been hitting Bo Corrales for touchdowns as well in some of these but Preston Stone is making plays, and a lot of the reports are that the redshirt freshman is com- is showing exactly why he needs playing time and should be on the field. He hit uh, six-year senior Austin Upshaw with a beautiful 45-yard touchdown pass that a lot of people are saying was the best pass of the day. So Preston Stone may be pushing Tanner Mordecai. You know, we saw SMU struggle a little bit down the stretch, and, and Tanner Mordecai really kind of looked bad at times last year. If that happens again, you know, Rhett Lashley doesn't have any connection to Tanner Mordecai to keep him in there. Preston Stone continues to impress. Maybe we do see him kind of hit the field this year like Austin had hoped uh, and, and take over. Again, he, he's looking very impressive. A lot and a lot of talk going on about how good Preston Stone has looked. So something to watch out for. Again, Preston Stone, a guy who, who's going later. Then, then Tanner Mordecai, I believe in our drafts, I'm I'm trying to stall here because I'm going to pull up the ADP here for both of them. All right, let's let's look for Preston Stone here. Oh man, you can't. There we go. Preston Stone is going as he is not even currently being drafted as a top 70. No, there we go. QB 61 off the board right now for Preston Stone. And then Tanner Mordecai is going off the board here at, where do we got him at? Tanner Mordecai, QB 38. So Preston Stone going off the board here at QB 61 and Tanner Mordecai at QB 38. That's a 23 spot difference. And with the hype that Preston Stone is getting, I'd be thrilled to get Preston Stone that late because I do. I mean, they're not just they're not pumping him up for no reason. He's making a lot of great passes out there. Preston Stone, a guy that I'd be willing to grab late in your C2C draft, 23 spots after Tanner Mordecai. If Mordecai gets benched, I mean, Preston Stone could be a steal in your C2C drafts. We are going now to Bearcats country. These Cincinnati Bearcats 
obviously had, I mean, they made history last year, right? Being the first G5 team to make the playoffs. Now they, though, they have to find a way to repeat that accomplishment and then losing a ton of talent, not just on defense, but on offense as well. Jerome Ford, gone. Alec Pierce, gone. Desmond Ritter are gone. As of right now, reports are that no RB is really standing out in who is going to replace Ford, but it is going to come from within that room. They're not bringing in any more transfer players according to kind of what the coaching staff has said. So you're going to have to find somebody there, but nobody is really standing out, so I don't know if you really want to dive into that. However... The Bearcats may have found the replacement in wide receiver standout Alec Pierce, and that is with Hawaii wide receiver transfer Nick Mardner. He made his first appearance for the Bearcats coming from the University of Hawaii, um, and he has been gaining a ton of attention here in Camp Mardner, 196-6 junior. Um, he has the longest wingspan in Bearcat history. Uh, you know, take that for what it's worth. In 2021 for Hawaii, he had 46 receptions for 913 yards and five touchdowns, averaging nearly 20 yards a catch. He can be used in the long game like Alec Pierce was. And I think just saying those stats alone is an accomplishment. If you look at how bad Hawaii was and just everything that was going on with that program last year, for Mardner to do that, uh, he might be a guy that I'm willing to bet on here for Cincinnati. Uh, really good player, it seems, and and they are expecting him to kind of fill in for what Alec Pierce was, and Nick Martin is not being drafted. So again, my goal here is to give you guys some of these players. I mentioned Damian Martinez for Oregon State. Um, my goodness, I can't remember the other running back now here for, for Arizona. Where did you go? We'll pull you right back up real quick. Jonah Coleman. So, Guys that you maybe can stash at the end of your drafts here, and I do think Nick Martiner can be one of them, especially if he's going to replace Alec Pierce in this offense. But the big question is going to be who's throwing him the ball, right? Ben Bryant is back after leaving one year and going to Eastern Michigan. He comes back to Cincinnati, and he's going to be challenging Evan Prater for the QB job. Now, a lot of the news right now is that Ben Bryant comes in as kind of the leader to replace Desmond Ritter. But Prater is pushing him. He sat behind him last year. He's got the legs, uh, can do a lot of that stuff. He's been inconsistent passing the ball, uh, but he definitely has the, the, the legs to be a run threat on every single play. According to some notes from the past couple practices, Ben Bryant has had a handful of electric throws, including an absolute laser to Tyler Scott for 50-yard touchdown. Uh, and Scott was covered well. It was a perfect throw on the money, according to these reports. Um, however, Evan Prater was solid as well. He did make one big mistake in overthrowing a deep ball that was picked off by a cornerback. So Ben Bryant continues to kind of lead the way here for this quarterback job in Cincinnati. Ben Bryant is not being drafted. Evan Prater is, and Evan Prater is going high. He's going off the board as QB 34. So you're taking a massive risk, and I'm someone who has been pumping him up as well. I've been talking about I think Evan Prater is – I feel like he he is Desmond Ritter with a little bit more explosiveness. So I thought he was going to fit well in this system. They promoted the quarterback's coach up to offensive coordinator, so he's already worked with Evan Prater, but technically he did work for Ben Bryant – or with Ben Bryant a year ago before he transferred out. It looks like, though, right now, everything is pointing toward Ben Bryant winning this job. So if you're drafting Evan Prater – you know, you may have to hope that he transfers because I don't know that Ben Bryant's going anywhere after this year. And, and, and Evan Prater's already, you know, a junior at this point. So 
a lot to look at with this year with the Cincinnati quarterback room. Uh, Nick Martiner, though, a guy that I would watch at the wide receiver position, uh, definitely seems to be kind of taking control of that role in the Alex Pierce role. Ben Bryant leading the quarterback battle as of right now, early on in Cincinnati Bearcats camp. And last but not least, my goal is to take you guys through about six teams a day. I got to end it on my Ohio State Buckeyes, right? I'm going to call it the Ohio State Buckeyes Power Hour. We're not going to take an hour. It'll just be a couple minutes, but they did start camp today. I am lucky enough to be able to talk to some people around the team, and so I got a lot of little nuggets earlier today that I wanted to share with you guys. We won't talk Ohio State every every show, I promise, but first show of me doing this, I just had to get my Buckeye talk in once. All right, so with Ohio State, obviously a ton is switching around on the defense, but the offense for the most part has relatively been untouched outside of obviously losing their two incredible wide receivers. Henderson and Mayan Williams took a ton of the first team reps today with Stroud, while Evan Pryor was mostly paired with McCord on the second team. The interesting thing that was sent to me is Jackson Smith and Jigba is returning punts right now in practice. I was not expecting that. Obviously, in a lot of C2C leagues on the CFF side, they do count punt return yards. So if JSN continues to do that, it worries me a little bit. We talk about this all the time with Nick Saban at Alabama, putting his wide receivers back there, his best weapons, and you don't want to see that. I don't want to see that for JSN because I don't want him to get hurt. But if he's returning punts, that could give you a little bit of extra play. I mean, he's already a top five pick in most C2C drafts anyways, probably in CFF as well. So you're probably not getting any kind of value on him, but I do think it's interesting that he is at least right now, first day of camp, he returned punts. We'll see if that continues. My guy, G. Scott Jr., was running with the second team behind Christian Bennett. Uh, The good news for Scott, though, he has been able to get up to 230 pounds and is holding steady on that weight. Obviously, we would like to see your tight ends get up to about 240, but I do think it's good that he's gotten up to 230 because there were a lot of reports last year that he couldn't really get up even past the 220 mark. So he's gotten up to 230, and he's holding strong at that. They have said that his blocking has improved, and he is impressing the coaching staff because he has not really lost any of his short area quickness. Ryan Day talked a lot about Jalen Ballard as someone who has improved over the winter and into now. He also mentioned that they will be getting as many receivers on the field as often as they can. He sees one to two wide receivers maybe being out there more often than not, the rest moving in and out. If I had to guess, that's JSN and Marvin Harrison. He did not mention names. But let's just be honest. Those are the two best right now in that room. Chances are JSN and Marvin Harris are going to be those two guys that are constantly on the field. And a lot of other, when they run those three wide receiver sets, you're going to see mixtures of Julian Fleming, Mecca Igbuka, Jalen Ballard, and maybe even some of these freshmen. Keon Graves, does he get out there? Kojo Antwi. I don't know that Caleb Burton's ready yet. So very interesting that Ryan Day has been very open about that part of it. At least two wide receivers sticking on the field. Uh, for the first time that I can ever remember, Day has been some, said, has actually said something complimentary of Kyle McCord. He mentioned him being very impressed with how Cor- McCord looked today in practice, said he has really carried over the success that McCord was having late in the season last year into this practice, um, definitely has looked better mentally as well. Speaking of mentally, Stroud has apparently taken another step mentally according to Day and Wilson, and they're actually going to be giving him more control of the offense. So we'll see how that works out. Obviously, from a NFL aspect, we like that. These guys being able to change play calls, call outs, you know, 
blitzes and everything. The fact that they're giving Stroud more and more uh, control over this offense is definitely a good thing and, and something that we kind of saw coming. We, we know that Stroud, at least if you guys have listened to Debbie debate or anything, Stroud has been known to be like the coach's guy. He, he's been in the coaching room a lot and, and dealing with these offenses. Um, so that'll do it for me today, guys. Thank you so much for checking out the spring practice report. We will be back tomorrow with six new teams and six new practice reports every weeknight at 7 p.m. Central. I will see you guys again soon. Have a good night. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Spring Practice Reports. A little bit of a shorter episode for you guys today as we covered a bunch of stuff going on yesterday. A lot of those teams that we talked about, you know, Ohio State and so on, uh, Clemson, all those teams are, you know, more into their practices, not a lot of other news coming out. But we are going to address a couple more teams today and some interesting storylines that are going on. As you guys may know, or if you don't, my name is Matt. I'm one of the co-founders of CampusDecant.com. Let's take a ride around the country and look at some of the latest news and happenings in spring reports and spring practice. All right. I technically have to go and talk about the team up north, and that is Michigan. I prefer not to, but there are some interesting storylines, specifically around the quarterback position. Right now, J.J. McCarthy has been slowed down this spring due to a lingering shoulder injury. It has been putting a dent, apparently, in the offseason QB battle. Uh, Coach Jim Harbaugh was uh, characterized saying that the injury is lingering arm soreness that apparently happened in the 2021 season. Michigan has sought to clarify uh, what the kind of plan is to do with this. They don't believe it will be a long-term issue and are working on a plan. Trainers plan to let McCarthy rest his right shoulder over the next couple of months. McCarthy will remain active in practice, but they are not having him throw right now, and he declined to provide any kind of timetable or when we might see McCarthy throwing the ball or really being involved in the offense. Uh, they said the longer, the better at this point. Uh, so that's not great news for J.J. McCarthy or any of us who thought he might take a step forward and reclaim that, not reclaim, but take over that job as a starter. He's definitely got a ton of upside and is a very exciting quarterback to watch, but it does not look like he is going to be participating in most of spring. Cade McNamara has continued to look good. He's taken all the first-team reps at quarterback and it seems like he's going to be the guy. So for those of you taking J.J. McCarthy, in your college football drafts, I mean, I think we unfortunately have to sit here and look, think maybe he's not going to start, or, at least, or he's not going to start. I just feel like that's pretty easy to say now at this point. Not practicing at all. They don't know when he is going to be coming back. I mean, that's that's not good news. J.J. McCarthy right now is going as QB 13 off the board with an ADP of 72.8 in our mock drafts. I mean, yeah. There's a chance that he plays later this year and likely is the starter for Michigan next season. But I do think the fact that he has not been able to play due to his injury that happened in 2021, of all things, too. I mean, we're in March of 2022, and he's still dealing with the shoulder injury from last year. This is not not good news for J.J. McCarthy. Hopefully things improve for him moving through spring, but that is kind of the update for him right now. Let's move on to Georgia Tech, who is also dealing with another quarterback battle. And interestingly enough, they're about 10 days away from their spring game, but we haven't gotten much out of the practices at Georgia Tech. 
there has been a little bit of news trickling out, and most of that most of that has been head coach Collins uh, has been talking up how good Jeff Sims has looked in their new offense. I do think this is an interesting battle this offseason between him and the Akron Zips transfer quarterback, Zach Gibson, I believe is his name. Those two guys are going to be battling for the QB job, but all the talk is about how Jeff Sims has looked. So take that for what it's worth. Jeff Sims looks like he's leading the job here as of right now, early on in the Georgia Tech QB battle. Pitt had an amazing season last year with what Kenny Pickett was able to do in this offense and Jordan Addison, who ended up winning the Bolitnikoff Award. This year, they bring over... Transfer quarterback from USC, Key Don Slovis, who had that amazing freshman season, but it hasn't quite looked to be the same player. Most of the talk right now in their camp is that Addison is primed and ready for another incredible season. There's a lot of talk. They don't think there's going to be any real step back between what they got out of Kenny Pickett and what they're going to get out of Key Don Slovis. The more interesting thing is we have seen and heard that Pitt has kind of split times at running back and really kind of been hesitant to give anybody the ball or really be the lead back, Israel Abanaconda seems to be the guy right now in everything I'm reading on all the camp stuff. He's done a lot of work with Keaton Slovis. He's been catching passes as well. So Israel Abanaconda might be the guy finally here for the Pitt Panthers, a kid who has a lot of upside. BYU. Talking about upside here, Isaac Rex. He's a tight end that we have uh, you know, semi-relied on here in C2C leagues, and he has been ranked in the top 20. Uh, by most of us for most of the season and the offseason. However, he's coming back from an injury, and there's apparently no timetable on when he'll get back. All the talk right now out of BYU camp is second-string tight end Dallin Holker has been targeted, has been the most targeted pass catcher in the uh, three media sessions that they've allowed to have been in there for. And Holker has made one of, if not the best pass and or I'm sorry, the best catch on every single day. Um, he's been getting work with Jaron Hall and backup, at least right now, looks like backup quarterback Jacob Conover. He's run post routes. He's been in the slot. He's got diving grabs as well. He seems to be the guy that we don't know when Isaac Rex is coming back. There really has been no timetable. Holker could be emerging in this BYU offense, a team that looks like it's going to be very good this year. Jaron Hall confirmed as and solidified as the starting quarterback who had some really good moments as well, not just for fantasy, but for that BYU team. Holker, a guy who's going undrafted right now in our C2C uh, database in startups where Isaac Rex um, is going off the board at tight end 24 with a 227 ADP. So with that, you know, I talked a little bit about on yesterday's show, some running backs that I would grab late. I would definitely grab Holker late because whether he takes over for Hol- um, for Rex this year, regardless, he seems to be the guy moving forward for this offense. They've really been playing kind of around him and making him the main target, it seems, in spring practices this offseason. I would be all in on adding Holker to my lineup. North Carolina, second to last team we're going to talk about today, as I mentioned, a a quicker episode for today's stuff. Uh, Their spring practice started about eight days ago on March 1st, and right now it seems like all the talk is British Brooks may be the RB1, or at least for now. We've got to see some clips of George Petaway. He's looked good, flashing some speed. But for the most part, he has been running with the threes. Now, that may not mean anything at the end of the day, because, again, we're talking about eight days into spring practice. 
But the fact that he is running with the threes and not the ones may put a little bit of a damper on some of us expecting him to be like the the lead back, or maybe he is still in there. Kamar Edmonds is getting a lot of work as well. I don't think that this running back backfield is solidified at all right now. I think there's a lot still up in the air, but British Brooks seems to be the one getting some love and, and, and at least running with the ones right now. We know Sam Howell is gone. He's moved on to the NFL, and we have another quarterback position battle. Word is that they likely won't name a starter until the preseason camp starts, but Jacoby Criswell, Drake May, and freshman Connor Harrell have gotten all the work. Um, they, from everything that Coach Mac Brown and Phil Longo have said, is that all three have been very impressive. You would walk out there and think that they've all they that they haven't played very much, so it is very encouraging. They're, I'm sorry. Oof. They have all been very impressive. When you walk out there, you wouldn't think that they haven't played very much. Obviously, Drake May not taking any snaps. Connor Harrell as well. We saw Jacoby Criswell for a little bit last year when Sam Howe got hurt. So they are very encouraged with the way all three of those guys are playing. You know, again, we, we Drake May is a quarterback who I'm very high on. A lot of us are high on. We've kind of been expecting him to get the job. He's being drafted right now as QB12 off the board with an ADP of 63.9. If he doesn't win that job, that's going to hurt you in your C2C draft, drafting him that high. I do, at the end of the day, expect him to to, to win the job, but he is still technically in a competition with Jacoby Criswell. Um, and Connor Harrell's being mentioned. I don't know that the freshman ends up winning out that job. Right now, all three are looking good, but all the rumors are they're probably not going to name anybody until the preseason camp. So you're probably looking at, you know, July, August, before we find out who's really going to, or at the end of the day, be the starter for the North Carolina Tar Heels. Last but not least, Missouri. And again, another quarterback battle. Head coach Eli Drinkowitz has started or has stated that as of right now, both Tyler Macon and Brady Cook will be battling for the starting position, as will four-star freshman Sam Horn. However, he will not be able to join the team until this summer. Drinkowitz has stated that the starter likely won't be determined in spring practice, but it is something to watch as they do have some very interesting weapons on this offense. You know, I'm still believing in Mookie Cooper, though it may be time to give up on that, but more so in that wide receiver room is five-star wide receiver Luther Burden. He is a favorite of us at the website. He is my wide receiver one in this freshman class. He has already received his number. He locked that in two days into practice, and he decided that he wants to wear number three, so he'll be rocking number three at least for this year. We'll see if he decides to change that at any point moving forward, but he is already looking good, dominating. Um, They've pretty much said he's done literally everything they've asked, and he's gone above and beyond that, so Luther Burden impressing. He's one of the freshmen I think could really have a good season for you in CFF leagues as well this year, even being a freshman. There's just nobody there, in my opinion, on that depth chart that's going to bring what Luther Burden can to this wide receiver course. So I'm really excited uh, to see what happens with him moving forward. And then, obviously, who wins the battle? I'm a big Sam Horn guy. I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in this class. But Tyler Macon and Brady Cook definitely have the upper hand on him. Being there last year and getting all the spring practice reps is, again, Horn cannot join the team until the summer. So we'll have to watch that. But it sounds like they, as well, will not be naming a starter at least until the preseason stuff gets here. That will do it for us today. Spring reports are closed 
for day two. We'll be back again Thursday and Friday. Same spring report time, same spring report channel. Uh, you know, try trying to see if that works. It probably doesn't. Uh, we'll be back right around the seven o'clock hour central time. The best, best, uh, best, 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 best. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what I was going to say, guys. The best time time zone. There we go. It's been a long day. The best time zone, in my opinion, back right around that 7 o'clock p.m. hour every single weekday with as much news camp as we can bring, or spring news reports that we can bring you. Everybody have a good night. We will talk to you guys again on Thursday. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another spring report practice here. We are going, spring practice reports is what I actually meant to say. Uh, it's Matt, one of the co-founders of Campus to Canton, and I'm here to take you guys through a quick ride around the country to discuss all the latest news in spring camp. <laughs> All right, so another kind of short episode for you guys today. Unfortunately, there's really not a lot. A lot of these teams are into the third, fourth day of their practices. Not everything is open to media, and some of these coaches are not willing to discuss certain things. So we're only going to talk about four schools today. Kentucky is where we're going to start, though. Practice started yesterday for the Wildcats. Not a ton of news coming out of the camp right now, but it does seem like they are really excited about building this offense around the returning upperclassmen in Will Levis and running back Chris Rodriguez. There's definitely a lot of hope and promise around new offensive coordinator Rick Scangarello, and it's Rich, not Rick, who's coming from the NFL to hopefully develop Will Levis. We we saw Will Levis has some really good games last season, and, and there's definitely already some first-round buzz hype around him. Um, obviously, if Rich Scangarello, who has done a good job with quarterbacks in the NFL, if he can come in here and kind of help improve Will Levis, it's going to be a good thing for him and probably a good thing for Kentucky. They've definitely got some questions to answer um, with what they've lost in their wide receiver room. But I do think Kentucky has a chance to be a good team, and I'm excited to see what this means for Will Levis. Next up, we're going to go take a look at the Tulane Green Wave. Quarterback Michael Pratt, who I believe has an intriguing skill set, um, and is a guy that they could be a sneaky high-end quarterback in the 2023 draft, has decided he wants to try and add some weight this spring to help avoid any injuries when he's playing. He does expect the team to bounce back from the 2-10 and 10 season last year. He is excited about Ashad Clayton. Um, he's a guy that I've really liked who transferred in this offseason, but there wasn't much else about Ashad Clayton outside of Pratt mentioning him. Pratt did discuss that last year he dealed with a pretty banged-up shoulder that it actually took quite a while in the offseason for him to finally heal, but he is fully healed and is back at 100% for this season. Has also been working on his mechanics a little bit as well. So Michael Pratt, a guy who I'm excited about. He was a, you know, his freshman season was a, a top 24 scoring quarterback. Uh, last year was at times, but then did, did deal with injuries, clearly. I think that may have affected him in his fantasy production and just his, his production on the field. I'm excited to see what it means for him now that he's fully healthy. Hopefully with him adding the weight as well, uh, that can keep him a little bit healthy throughout the season. Going over to the West Coast and Oregon, they kicked off practice today. New head coach Dan Lanning and offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham are already hard at work. Lanning did not give much away in his after-practice interview. 
Um, the do the two big questions though, obviously here for Oregon are who will be their starting quarterback and who will be their running back at quarterback. Bo Nix, Jay Butterfield, and Ty Thompson all took reps. And reports are that Nix and Thompson, Nix and Thompson, both looked fine, while Butterfield unfortunately struggled making some accurate throws. I don't necessarily think Butterfield's really in the competition anyways. I really do think the battle is likely going to come down to Nix and Thompson, both looking good in the first day of practice. The running back room was decimated this offseason with transfers and players leaving. Right now, it is just Byron Cardwell and Sean Dollars are the only two upperclassmen left on the roster. Um, both were out there in, in padded practices. If I had to take a guess, it's obviously going to be Byron Cardwell. or uh, Not obviously, but I believe it's going to be Byron Cardwell. He's a guy that we have kind of hyped up over at C2C a little bit as being the guy. Uh, but Sean Dollars is, is definitely in the mix. The big news I took away from the running back room, though, was former four-star running back in last year's class. Seven McGee has now been converted to wide receiver, and he will only work there. Dan Lanning did come out and say that he doesn't necessarily want to limit anyone to one position, but does believe it is the best opportunity for McGee and the best move for Oregon football. He was one of the better receiving backs last season, so it should be an interesting transition for him. You know, last listed at 5'8", 175, so you know, that's the size of like a Wandale and Calvin Austin from this last draft class. He, he's got some explosiveness. Should be very interesting to see if they move him into the slot and what's the, what this means. Uh, but he did go on and talk about how he thinks this is the best move for, for, for McGee and for Oregon. So very interesting to see what happens there. You know, I thought he might have a chance to do something at running back, but he is moving on to wide receiver. Last but not least, I wanted to talk about Ohio State. And it's not necessarily because... I love Ohio State for all of you that know me. I think there were some very interesting things that came out of uh, practice today and some things that were told to me, including something I want to touch on at the end of the show. Um, that is going to be, in all honesty, a little bit of a serious note. So at wide receiver, everybody's been seeing the picture circulating of Marvin Harrison Jr. looking absolutely jacked. If you look at what he looked like coming in as a freshman compared to his sophomore year, it's it's a miles different. He said that he made it a goal this offseason uh, to put on some weight and is currently sitting at 6'3", 205 pounds, and wants to stay at that size and, in his words, stay lean. He thinks it's going to help him play better. We got confirmation today that Julian Fleming is locked in as the Z position starter, and Jaden Ballard is actually the two behind him. That does put Marvin Harrison locked in an X, and that likely then just moves JSN locked into the slot, though neither one of those were confirmed. But Marvin Harrison and Emeka Egbuka have been moved around the formation all over the place. They've all played multiple reps at the X, the Z, and in the slot in both couple or in the past couple days of practice. And the word out of that is they want to get these guys multiple reps at each position so they feel comfortable everywhere in the formation when the season starts. They are the two that they expect to move around everywhere. So in saying that, I imagine Marvin Harrison most games is going to start at X, possibly get moved around, which then moves JSN is going to stay in the slot, which is a great place for him. He's one of the best receivers in the game. I thought they might move him around like they did Garrett Wilson doesn't seem like they're going to do that much. It looks like he is likely going to be in the slot most of the time. The running backs. Evan Pryor says he sees an opportunity to jump Mayan Williams this spring and is trying to capitalize on that. He wants to work more on taking what's given instead of dancing around in the backfield. He felt like that was part of his issue last year. Dancing around for five yards, looking for the perfect hole. Now when he sees the hole, he's taking it, putting his shoulder down. 
I did want to touch on one thing really quick with Travion Henderson. I thought this was an interesting note because some of us were maybe not concerned, but we were curious as to why he was coming off the field a little bit at the end of last season. And apparently uh, we thought maybe it was because my Williams was, was back healthy and, and was still kind of in the mix. It actually turns out that Henderson was dealing with a few injuries and concluding some concussion-like symptoms without the actual concussion, according to him. He would get very bad headaches and had to at times come out of the game for a minute, which caused the staff to worry, and they struggled on when to put him back in the game because he kept testing negative for concussions. But the way that he felt, it felt like a concussion, so it was very nerve-wracking for him and the staff. Um, I will say props to them for not just throwing him back out there. Um, obviously, doesn't seem like it's anything serious. He said that he's good to go, so I think that just means wheels up for Henderson. But just kind of wanted to touch on that from the end of last season. Uh, and last uh, but not least here, and I just wanted to touch on on this. I'm going I'm to read it here. So for those of you who don't know, Harry Miller an offensive lineman for Ohio State. Uh, he retired today from football, and I just want to, to read this to you guys, his statement, and I'll give you quick thoughts really quick. He said, I am medically retiring. I would not usually share such information, however, because I have played football, I am no longer afforded the privilege of privacy. So I will share my story briefly before more articles continue to ask what is wrong with Harry Miller. This is a good question. It's a good enough question for me not, not to know how to answer it, though I love... How asked, how it's asked it, though I have asked it often. I'm sorry, I'm butchering this. Prior to the season last year, I told Coach Day of I should say I'm sorry for those of you who there there's some I don't want to say graphic, but some serious stuff that is in this article. If if you have issues with self harm or anything like that, I would say thank you. I'll be back again tomorrow. I, I would not continue to watch this because he he is very open and honest about some things that dealt with um, in his personal life and his mental health. So he said, prior to the season last year, I told Coach Day of my intention to kill myself. He immediately had me in touch with Dr. Candace and Dr. Norman, and I received the support I needed. After a few weeks, I tried my luck at football once again with the scars on my wrist and throat. Maybe the scars were hard to see with my wrist up, but maybe it was hard to see the scars through the bright colors of television. Maybe these scars were hard to Heal through all the talk shows and interviews. They are here and they are hard to see and they are easy to hide, but they sure do hurt. There was a dead man on tele on the television set, but nobody knew it. At the time, I would rather be dead than a coward. I'd rather be nothing at all than have to explain everything that was wrong. I was planning on being reduced to my initials on the sticker of the back of the helmet, and I had to see people. I had to people seek help. I had sorry. This is. I had seen people seek help before. I had seen the age-old adage of our generation was softening by the second, but I can tell you my skin was tough. It had to be. But it was not tougher than the sharp metal of the box cutter. And I saw how easy it was for people to dismiss others by talking about how they were just a dumb college kid who didn't know anything. But luckily, I am a student in the College of Engineering. I have a 4.0 and whatever accolade you might require. So maybe, So maybe if somebody's hurt, me taken seriously for once i can be mine or it can be mine i may and maybe i can vouch for all those other people who hurt but are not taken seriously because for some reason pain must have prerequisites a person like me who supposedly has the entire world in front of them can be fully prepared to give up the world entirely this is not an issue reserved for the far and away it is in our homes it is in our conversations it is in the people we love i'm not angry 
I had to lose my anger because I did not know if God would forgive me if I went to him with anger. I did not know how the host of hosts would respond to my untimely arrival. And I did not want to tempt him. So in my sadness, I lost my anger and I learned many things. I learned what the color blood is through the tears of my eyes. I learned that the human ear can not distinguish between the two when their drops hit a tiled floor. But above all, I learned love, the type of love that only can be pieced together by the mechanism of brutal sadness. And so I will love more than I can be hated or laughed at. And for I know the people who are sneering and need the most love that I was looking for. The cost of, of apathy in life, but the price of life is as small as an act of kindness. I am a life preserved by the kindness that was offered to me by others when I could not produce the kindness for myself. Uh, he goes on to thank Coach Day and Ohio State and some other things. Um, he posts uh, the suicide prevention hotline, says that there is always help, and I just want to applaud him because I imagine that was not an easy decision. That stuff hits home for me. I'm sure it hits home for a lot of people. And I don't want to edit this out because I want people to know that this is a real thing. A lot of people struggle with mental illness. And just props to that young man. Doing something like this for your entire life. I mean, that's what a guy like Harry Miller, who was bound for the NFL, to realize that it was not good for his mental health and take a step back, I think is a is a massive thing. Good for him. I'm glad that it did not go the other way. Props to Ohio State and Ryan Day for taking that serious because we hear so many stories about how coaching staffs and schools don't take that stuff seriously. It, it's a sport that I think is is very mired in this tough guy mentality that you can't you can't show emotion. You can't deal with that stuff. And I, I think that it's a constant struggle for a lot of people. And I wish Harry Miller the best. I mean, a 4.0 GPA, fucking congratulations, man. Keep killing it. I hope you're able to continue to go on through engineering and make an incredible, incredible life for yourself because you deserve it 100%. And I am so happy that you were able to get the help that you deserved. That will do it for today's episode. I apologize for ending on a little bit of a somber note, but I do think it's something that when it happens and comes up needs to be addressed. Get the help that you need if you need it. We're all here for you. I am here for you. My DMs are always open on Twitter at SportsFanaticMB. I will throw it up right here for those of you who are watching on YouTube. Um, you can DM me anytime with anything. I've had people who've gone through it friends who have died from it. I will happily sit and listen to you. We can jump on a, a call together and just talk. Yeah, I just want to throw all that out there to anybody and everybody who is struggling with that stuff. Cause it is a huge issue in life. And I would happy, I'd be happy to sit and talk with you and just work with you and, and show you the love and show you any love or just listen. If you just need to vent, I'm here for you. Whatever you guys need. My DMS are always Always open. If you do need help and you'd like to talk to somebody else, 800-273-8255. We will be back again tomorrow. Friday will be the last show of this week with more spring reports, more spring practice reports. Sorry again for messing that up. More spring practice reports. We'll catch you guys. 
What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another spring practice report video. It is Friday, March 11th. We are just going to take a look at three schools today. Uh, we're getting closer and closer. There's, there's all together, I believe it's 30 schools already in. 12 more started up this week. We're going to have spring games coming next week. So on Monday show, I will take you guys on a run through of like everybody who started, who's coming up, and what spring games were coming. Uh, but for today, I just wanted to touch on three big schools that have also been working on practice, including one that opened up today. We're going to talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide, the Texas A&M Aggies, and the Miami Hurricanes. <laughs> All right, so let's head down to Alabama, who kicked off their spring practice today. Not much has come out of that so far outside of Nick Saban, uh, pretty much claiming that Alabama is going to be the underdogs this year, which makes sense with the fact that Georgia did win a national championship last year. They did not win the SEC, though. Alabama did, and while Alabama did get beat fairly handedly, it was close up until about the last couple minutes of that fourth quarter. Georgia did win the national championship. That does worry me because when Nick Saban is able to get his team believing in them being the underdogs, they are typically a very dangerous team. Jameer Gibbs is there. What is interesting is the starting lineup that was out there, and again, First day of spring practice, so take this for what it's worth. Uh, but the starting lineup was, or it looks as it's going to be, Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs, which we already knew those two were going to be locked in, right? But Jermaine Burton at the X, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks at the Z, and they're going to have Joe Joe Earl in the slot. I mean, that's three pretty damn good wide receivers there to pair with Bryce Young. So I'm very intrigued to see what happens with those guys. Of course, the fact that Hall is again buried, um, you know, Austin and Chris Moxley over at the website at campstecant.com done a really good job of putting out these year one zeros and Hall was one of them. Weird, weird, you know, recruiting thing with him and then freshman season with him talking about possibly leaving the program and then not and everything that happened with him. Uh, you know, if you had Hall ranked highly, if you have Hall, I don't know that you're able to move him for much now, but I'd, I'd continue to worry as he's getting buried a little bit more and more here on the Alabama depth chart. Next up, we're going to go to Texas A&M. And I'm really intrigued with the Aggies here because I think that they've got a good team. And I think a lot of people aren't sure what to think with Texas A&M, right? Like Jimbo Fisher had some good seasons at Texas A&M. I'm sorry, at uh, Florida State, Jameis Winston, right? Go, they win a national championship. Had, he had Dalvin Cook. Like, he's had some very good offenses. And since coming to Texas A&M, like, he's been good but not great. Like, this last year was the first time they ever really to get over the hump, and that is beating Alabama. They did it with backup quarterback Zach Calzada because Haynes King had been hurt. Well, Haynes King right now, for the most part, has been running with the ones, but they've been switching back and forth between him and Max Johnson. So on day two... Of their practices, the first unit was Haynes King, Ernest Crowner, or Crownover at running back, Chase Lane, Evan Stewart, and we're going to talk about him in a minute, Anaya Smith at wide receiver, Baylor Cup at tight end, Max Johnson, Amari Daniels, Moose Muhammad, who I've, I've uh, talked about, I think could possibly be a breakout in this offense. That might have changed with the Evan Stewart news. Kenyon Jackson and Yul Keith Brown with Max right at tight end. However, in today's practice, they did mix it up. Max Johnson and Amari Daniels took the first team reps. And notice something there when I'm talking about the running backs, right? Amari Daniels and 
Oh, I just I just lost his name. Ernest Crownover. LJ Johnson's not running with the ones and twos, which worries me a little bit. And I haven't seen anything on an injury. Maybe he's hurt or banged up a little bit. I haven't seen anything that he did run with the twos today. But a lot of us are projecting LJ Johnson to be the leader in that backfield. And the fact that he's not doing anything worries me just a little bit. But again, uh, with the ones today was Mac Johnson, Amari Daniels, Chase Lane, Evan Stewart, and Anaya Smith. Those three are continually running with the ones, as is Baylor Cup. Then with the second team, as I mentioned, LJ Johnson got run today with Haynes King, Kenyon Jackson, Moose Muhammad, Yule Keith Brown, and Max Wright. Connor Weigman is getting work, but he is not really being thrown in with those first two, which kind of makes sense. I don't think any of us thought he was going to get the starting job this year, but I feel like he is for sure sold or is set as the third guy right now. If Haynes King wins the job, does Mac Johnson transfer out and then make Connor Weigman the two? I do think that's a possibility. I do think Haynes King's going to win the job. I know Max Johnson probably didn't just come here on a whim. Maybe it was just he wanted to play with his brother, the tight end who committed to Texas A&M. I, I, you know, a lot of us think that because he went there, just like when Jaden Daniels went to LSU, is like a a wink, nod, handshake deal of, oh yeah, you're going to be the starter. Haynes King was decent last year before he got injured. I, I do think that he likely ends up winning this job. Let's talk about the wide receivers. I mean, Evan Stewart is getting a lot of love right now on the field for what he is doing for the Aggies. In today's practice alone, again, there was only three periods that the media and everybody was allowed in to cover, and when they watched them, he, they said that he was explosive and his agility maneuvering between coverages was the most impressive player out there. They've been talking about he, he just looks different compared to everybody else out there. He's also been on special teams, on punt and kick returns. We all know Evan Stewart has a talent. He's one of the top-rated wide receivers for 24-7 sports. And for most of us at Campus to Canton, we all like his skill set. I have not faded him. He is my wide receiver five, I believe, at the moment. He's been faded by some of us at the site because they don't love the landing spot because, and in fairness, Jimbo Fisher has struggled to develop wide receivers. But if the reports are that Evan Stewart is looking this good, true freshman, he's already running with the ones for multiple practices. I'm kind of even more in on Evan Stewart. And he is going later than usual because, again, Everybody is fading him for going to Texas A&M. I'm going to look in here really quick and see if I can find his his ADP here in startups because I'm almost positive he is not going that high. And again, take it for what it's worth. We're, we're, we've only seen him, obviously, in a couple practices here. But the fact that they're talking about he looks absolutely different than everybody else is what is exciting for me. So he's not going as low as I thought. Wide receiver 20 with an ADP of 61.7. In the range of a Luther Burden, who I would take ahead of him, I'd probably still take Troy Franklin, who's going right behind him. But then I would take him over the likes of like a Deion Smith, Jalen McMillan, Bo Collins, probably even Gary Bryant. A, a Jai Hall is going to wide receiver 16 right now. We just talked about him with the Alabama practice. So Evan Stewart getting a lot of love early on here for Texas A&M. Just like I said, they, they said he looks different. So, you know, the good side, Evan Stewart looking good. Bad side, LJ Johnson not getting a lot of run right now. Things could change. Uh, I'm not fading LJ Johnson because of that, but definitely a little bit worrisome that he is not getting more love than I guess we thought he was going to get with the fact that we all were projecting him to be the easy set-in-stone starter here for, um, for the Aggies. Did get in practice today, though. So we'll see what happens uh, over the weekend. Like I said, well, we'll definitely hit on that 
on Monday as well. Last but not least here, like I said, guys, short show. We're just going to go around through three schools. Going to go to, you know, Felix's favorite A. A. Well, oh my goodness. I'm like completely blanking here. Oh, my Miami Hurricanes. My goodness. The ACC. I don't know why I kept wanting to say AAC. They are the ACC. Big fan of Tyler Dyke. Tyler Van Dyke, my goodness, guys. Sorry, it has been a long week, and this is, I'm just making this look really bad. Felix Sharp, big fan, secret ACC fan, and massive fan of Tyler Van Dyke and the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, from the practice reports for the past couple days, a lot of the stuff is that Tyler Van Dyke has been the most consistent with his ball placement and throwing to receivers. They've said that Jake Garcia, however, has been showing the best ability to throw on the run and has been impressive with his deep ball throwing. He definitely seems to be running with the twos. Jacurry Brown uh, said it's said that it's continued to uh, show good accuracy, but needs to be more consistent. He'll have a couple good throws and a couple bad ones. That's kind of what we talked about with him coming out of high school. Uh, does look like it's kind of set, though in those three, like in that order, that it's still going to be Tyler Van Dyke as the starter as of right now. We'll see if he ends up transferring out if he doesn't win the job, but Jake Garcia at two, and then Ja'Curry Brown at three. There's been an interesting little run here at wide receiver as well. I was just trying to find. Um, they're, they're, these guys apparently are having trouble separating deep. Uh, Josh Gaddis spent a lot of time working with the wide receivers today. The rotation, for the most part, has been Keyshawn Smith and Jacoby George on the outside with Xavier Restrepo in the slot. Frank Ladson has been working behind Keyshawn Smith, and Michael Redding III uh, has been working with, behind Ladson. So he he's kind of been like the fifth wide receiver there. And, and those guys have really not been able to kind of create any separation, it seems like, in these past couple days on the 7-on-7s and the 11-on-11 drills. Uh, they're, they're just not really kind of creating any separation. Um, and again, while Van Dyke has looked very good, they're saying that Ja'Curry Brown has been the best deep field, deep down the field passer. But Tyler Van Dyke is trying to challenge down the field as well. So that's definitely good. We, we want to see that. Again, uh, I, I don't want to hype up Jake Garcia too much because I don't think he's going to win the job. Uh, just Jaleel Skinner has apparently looked good physically. Uh, for the past couple days, but he is considered the third tight end. Right now, Will Mallory is getting a lot of run on the first team, followed up by Elijah Arroyo. But Elijah Arroyo is getting a lot of love for how good he has been as a blocking tight end. He's actually been one of the best so far in camp um, and actually just missed catching a deep pass earlier today by Jake Garcia. So Elijah Arroyo and Will Mallory both looking good here for Miami um, at the tight end position. You know, it's it's kind of for those of you who play NFL, you know how kind of bad it is after those top couple guys. It's kind of the same way here on the college side as well. Definitely am intrigued to see what happens with those two, though. Um, you know, I'm still big on both of them, Will Mallory and Elijah Arroyo. And the fact that Arroyo is looking even better and better blocking, I think, is, is a big deal for him. Can he get on the field? Not much talk about for the running backs here, so it's something we'll continue to watch and monitor. Uh, but Tyler Van Dyke looking good, as is Jake Garcia. The wide receivers, not so much. So very intrigued to see how that hurts this offense and, and what they're able to do. Miami's a very intriguing team heading into the 2022 season. 
That will do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the first week of spring practice reports. Again, we'll be back every single weeknight next week to discuss this stuff on Monday. My plan is to kind of give you guys an idea of how many teams are actually practicing and who's got spring games coming up, and then we'll continue to go through all of the news, notes, and nuggets next week. Everybody, enjoy your weekends. Be safe. We'll talk to you guys again on Monday.